Welcome back to Industry Change. I am Richard Tatunji, and today I've got a very special guest on the show, like always, but today is extra special. I've got the CEO of Lyft Brands, Ty Menzies. Welcome, Ty. Thanks, Richard. Cheers, lovely to be here. Now, if you haven't heard of Lyft Brands, you've probably heard of Snap Fitness, yeah. which is part of the Lyft Brands companies. Welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Now, Ty, I think uh, we've known each other for a while, um, You know, seeing what you've done on the sidelines here, and, and it's interesting because I love journeys of people, sure. and, and you've gone on a very interesting journey, and yeah, I think uh, very, uh, very rightfully now the CEO of, of, of Lyft Brands, because you've had a lot of experience, and that's what I love, and that's why I wanted to come on the show, because I want to understand from your perspective, you know, where's the industry going sure. in your world, because you've come from a, you've come a background of independent owning clubs, um, owning franchises, now the CEO of uh, over, managing over 300 locations. Mm -hmm. Talk about that journey from you, because it's it's been sure. a like I think you know people say hey that happened overnight, but but I don't think it's been overnight for you, has it? No, it definitely hasn't been overnight. Um, look, from my perspective, interestingly, I started in the industry as a personal trainer. Yep. Um, back sort of left school, done some study in that space, and, and got into personal training, and really enjoyed that space. Um, understood though that I really wanted to be a business owner. Understood that I wanted to step into ownership of clubs, and knew that. You know, personal training was a great space um, and, and understanding that space was important, but I needed to step into sort of more a sales and club management space. And so I did that, you know, I stepped into to a sales space and very soon after stepped into club management. And uh, It just flowed? You just went and gravitated? Yeah, look, 100%. I took some good advice from the right people at that, that point in time and, and listened to them. And, and, and look, I really looked up to a couple of particular mentors at that time that, that are actually still in the industry. And... Um, they gave me some great advice about those steps that I needed to take. And well, I, I probably got a bit of a break, but also put myself in the right space. Um, and look, at the end of the day, it comes from delivering results and you kind of get seen and, mm. and whatnot. And look, first club that I, I got to manage was a very large um, Gold's Gym over in London and South, uh, sorry, Northwest London in Harrow. And that was a great experience, learned a huge amount. Actually, interestingly, the, the man that hired me for that was the founder of the gym group. If you, if you know the gym group over in the UK, a um, guy by the name of John Trahan. And you know, John's taken that business from, you know, nothing to, I think it's now 60 odd locations and, and uh, I think they're now a public listed company. So, you know, I learned a huge amount from him. So you had good mentorships in, that, in those early days. 100%. And, yeah. and you've got to ask the right questions, right? You've, you've got to be involved with the right people, be, you know, put yourself out there, have the conversations and ask those, that, that, that bit of advice. Um, and then look, I came back from the UK. Um, fortunately for me, I was one of those guys that came back from the UK with a little bit of money in my pocket. And, uh, like the other half, eh? They come back with no money. We, yeah, with no money or, right. or plenty of debt, which was at, at the time my partner. So yep. um, came back, you, you know, I went around and had a look at a, a few different options. Um, wanted to start my own thing. Mm. Um, went to the bank and tried to borrow some money and no one was really very interested in that. And uh, I came across a franchise, a little franchise called EFM Health Clubs. Yep. Um, still around today, still going well. Yeah, still yeah. around today. Um, and, and a lot of people don't, know who they are or how they operate but yeah. efm is uh is an interesting model you know kind of a joint partnership with either schools um large businesses or, or local hospitals. hospitals yeah we've got a few um, efm shout out to efm guys in our program yeah. as well and oh, yeah it's good. all okay. it's all into uh different businesses so that's why i think maybe Correct. they people aren't seeing it maybe as visually as a snap 100 percent. so similar sort of i always say to people it's like the, an F45 style of training, that very boutique yep. feel, small, um, but before any of that was even you know popular. Even a thing, yeah, now yeah, it's a thing. 100%, 100%. So, no, I was fortunate, I was able to buy my first EFM in that franchise space at sort of the age of 21, 22, and um, ended up with three of those locations down in Melbourne. 
Um, whilst I had those, I ended up buying an independent club. Um, that was an independent club, reasonable size, sort of mid-size. So tell me about that. You had three EFMs franchise, and mm-hmm. then you go and buy yourself an independent. Yeah. Can, can you like where's yeah. the thinking behind that? Well, it was interesting, right? It was an opportunity that got thrown in front of him. Opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it was. Uh, one of my close mates at the time was uh, was selling gym equipment, okay. and he knew that the the, the current um, owner of the facility was in a bit of trouble, and mm. they hadn't been paid their their payments for a little while. Okay. And he look, he just came to me and said, "It's worth having a look at." Wow. Um, I had a look at it, had a conversation with the landlord, put something on paper, it was agreed to, and you know, a few weeks weeks later, I had a. Uh, an independent club, mind you, it was an independent club in a really terrible place. Right, it, okay. it took a lot of heartache, a lot of money and, and, and effort to turn that thing around. I think, you know, at the time we had about 80 odd members and, you know, maybe a, a quarter of a million, $300,000 later, we had, we'd got to break even. Okay. And, and uh, you yes. know, that was that was a stressful period yeah. for probably two years of yep. my time there. And I think you're correct when, when people talk about small businesses failing because they don't have enough capital to keep them going. We, we certainly would have been in that space had I not been in a, in a position. Wow. And, so luckily, I, you know, I started selling my EFMs at that time and um, um, sold them one by one until the point where I only had that left and made the decision to, to make a bit of a change in life and shift it up to Queensland and got a bit of a tap on the shoulder. Um, I won't talk about how or why, but a tap on the shoulder from um, the previous master franchisors of, um, of what at the time was Snap Fitness um, particularly. And uh, they were looking for someone to come on board and drive the, the franchise development piece of the business. Um, so I did that. I spent about six or seven months in the franchise development piece. We sold about 35 odd franchises across the two brands being Snap Fitness and Nine Round during that period. And uh, I, I got another tap on the shoulder to say, hey, look, our CEO is moving on. Um, you know, we would like you to put your hand up for that and went through the recruitment process and obviously came out on top for that. And uh, yeah. yeah, look, it's progressed from there, you know. Um, so you guys have got Snap, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, yep. Snap um, Fitness On Demand, is that correct? Yeah, so the Snap Fitness, which is our convenience model. Yep. Nine Round, which is more boutique, so yep. 30 minute kickboxing fitness. Um, and then we've got Fitness On Demand, which is our virtual training. So you're really taking care of uh, all those elements there in those three Correct. brands. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So across the board, it's, it's interesting. So, yep. you know, they all have their own intricacies that we need to deal with. And, uh, but it looked great from our perspective where we're across each of those kind of environments. Yeah, you're so. in, uh, and so it's Asia Pacific. Um, Correct. So, so just to let you know, where, where, where is each? You got some in Asia as well. Yeah. Um, New Zealand, Australia, yep. is that correct? Yep. So Australia, we're uh, 215 odd snaps, uh, about 15 nine rounds at the moment. Uh, New Zealand, we're, we're the strongest clubs over there, uh, just shy of 60 snap locations yep. and uh, and about 12. I was um, over there, you've got a very strong presence in New Zealand there. Yeah. Good, yep. good audiences down there. Yeah. Good, good trainers down there too. 100%. Yeah. No, New Zealand, we've been very strong. We've got a good start in New Zealand and um, really pushed hard into New Zealand early days and, and still growing there quite well. Um, and then fitness on demand, you know, across a range of locations. And then when we talk about Asia, really snapped our main focus into Asia. So we've now got clubs in uh, in the Philippines, Indonesia, um, Hong Kong, Taiwan. We've just uh, just about to open our first clubs in Japan, doing a bit of work on Singapore, um, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. Oh, so really so, spreading it to a lot of major countries. Yeah, right? look for us, Asia is a huge piece. You know, huge rising middle class fitness has become such a popular piece over there. So. Mm. For us, that's that's definitely the market play. And look, certainly still focusing heavily on Australia and New Zealand, but there's definitely a huge opportunity over there for us. Very interesting um, opportunities and timing. We were just talking about that before we had a bit of a chat. And, you know, timings in regards to, you know, I said it's people come on and it's like, wow, where'd you come from? But you've had that journey. But then mm. you see timings in Asia at the moment. Um, you said timings in your independent club. Can you let me know a bit more about 
opportunities and timings are the right time to make the moves. Obviously, you've made sure. the hopefully the, the more good moves, but maybe you've made bad moves. But what's about timing? Talk about that. Hey, look, I, you know, it was interesting actually. I was listening to a little video that our founder um, Peter Taunton um, did just recently, and uh, he was talking about the fact that if you haven't failed in business, you haven't had a go, right? And, and trust me, I've definitely had my share of failures and lost money in different bits and pieces and, yeah. and, and actually walked away from a couple of things along the journey as well. I think um, if, if you're not having a go you, you, and, and not failing, you're certainly not experienced or growing, experiencing things and growing. So from my perspective, it's really important that when you look at that, if you're going to fail, you fail fast and you make the decision to step out really quickly. It, some people hold on too long mm. um, and, and losing a small amount of money, but stepping out, learning from it, moving on. You look at it from a learning opportunity more than anything. I mean, how much do people spend on a, a university degree, right? And you've still got that debt sitting there. Well, what's the difference between going into a business, losing 30 grand, stepping out of it and going, you know what? I, I learned a hell of a lot. I'm not going to do that again. Failing fast. I like that. hundred percent. Failing fast. Yeah. Cut the losses straight away. Yeah. Having that gut instinct. And look, you, you know, not. I think the other piece that I've really noticed is you can overanalyze things mm. and, and opportunities come and go. There's opportunities there all the time. It's a matter of whether you're going to grab it and run with it and have a go at it. Mm. Um, I remember my old man used to say to me, and I love it, it's a great saying, is that, you know what, take a huge bite and bloody chew hard, right? And you have to. Um, if you're going to go into any business, you've yeah. got to put a hell of a lot of time and energy into it. You can't expect to, to go into something and it just do it itself. So love it. Very good piece of advice. Um, let me take some tactical questions. Um, I've got a question around the 24 club and um, you know, 24 was a big thing, um, was a big thing, it still is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see the future of 24? Is it the thing that you have to have now? Just Is it mm-hmm. standard now? It's like, is it like you, you buy a burger and you need cheese with it? Or mm-hmm. is it like an extra that you have to have if you open up an independent or a franchise? Like, what are your thoughts on 24 is it, or is it past its use by date? With all respect to the 24 yeah. brands. Yeah, no, great question, mate. And um, and I acknowledge that that's definitely a question that's happening out there in the marketplace at the moment. I think it's, these days it's so easy to get that 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 24-7 piece. And not look, not every location can gain it. I mean, you've obviously got to, mm. to go through a process to, to get your DA approvals and so on. But I think it's, it is definitely an important piece for the consumer oh, yeah. because we don't live into a nine to five world and mm. people train at six and, and five anymore, right? Yeah. So whilst our facilities, certainly we see 80% of them attending at those typical sort of times, we certainly see a significant chunk turning up um, during those outside hours. And especially in different areas, different demographics um, and different cultural backgrounds, diversity, use the gym in different times. Mm. Um, you know, typically we'll, we'll, we'll see um, members of, of some of our areas, especially down here in Sydney, um, using the gym up to, to 11, 12 p.m. at night. and. Um, versus, you know, um, regional Queensland, you, you won't see one person between sort of 8 p.m. and, and 5 or 6 a.m. So right. it's just different from that perspective. Yeah. So definitely important. I think it's definitely something that clubs should and, and easy enough to get. Enough um, to is it the be-all and end-all? No, I think the be-all and end-all is changing a little bit in terms of what's important. And for me, um, convenience is still very important and, and, and I put convenience 24-7 under that convenience space as with multiple locations, ease of access and so on. But I think the other piece really now that the consumer is driving is a, a real sense of community within their, their club okay. and, and results. You know, I think those two items really got lost through the start of the 24-7 boom um, and convenience became just low cost, lots of locations, mm. just the, the 
just the basics yeah. and not the, the extras that really make the difference. It's interesting to say that because now obviously um, there's more locations coming aboard. Every suburb has you know three or four gyms there. So what we're seeing here then is you're saying, okay, everybody's got that standard now. We've got the 24, we've raised the bar, we've got convenience, we've got nice equipment. Where to next? You're mm. saying what, what, where to next is that, that personal connection and is that results and that community piece. Is that, mm. is that what you're hearing? 100%. Mm. Yeah, look, it's the, the major piece that we drive within our network now. Um, it, look, at the end of the day, someone will join your facility and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a 24-7 club or a boutique club, someone will join your facility majority of the time for convenience because it's easy for them, yep. whether it be really close to work, home, whatever it might be. Yes, they might travel that little bit further because their friend goes there, they really love the style of training or whatever else it might be. So, but, but the other piece to that is that now in each suburb, most people have got multiple locations within that convenience space. You know, it's mm. only three minutes to yep. probably five or six other facilities. So now it's very much around, okay, well, you've got to have a great facility to start with. You've got to have a great product and offering, but people wanted, you know, from that perspective, it's then, okay, well, someone will join for that reason. Someone will join because they can see that community piece. Yep. Um, but I guess the longevity is that that they're enjoying being there and that they're seeing their results. Mm. Um, and so that's where we've really started to focus a lot of our attention. What are we doing within our stores, both instructor-led, um, so new programs, offerings, et cetera, as well as um, technology-based and, and technology connectivity piece as well. So yeah, yeah both Very of those have been. When I was in New Zealand, I saw your trainers and I saw the passion they have. And I, you know, I've been to a lot of gyms and a lot, a lot of 24s, a lot of franchises, but there was something about what you provide, and we talked before around the education piece, where you're open for education, mm. where where some people may not be open for education, they keep that education in, in a very branded way. Mm. Uh, tell me about your your belief on education to, mm. to grow a brand of Snap and Lift brand, sure. Lift brands. Look, I think education is the the number one key component to to winning in any sort of space, right? Um, when we talk franchising. Um, there's so many different thought processes on franchise. I've been in it for a long time and yep. I have my very distinct way of, of operating a franchise business. And so franchising is all about the more flexibility you give, yep. the less control you have and the less brand sometimes you have. So if you lose that control, you're basically losing your brand. And so it's really important for us to, to balance that um, because people love flexibility and, and in franchising, you're, you're kind of, that, there's that saying if you're in business on your own but not by yourself, sure, right? Sure. Um, so, or for yourself, not by yourself, I should say. And so when I look at that, I go, okay, well, we want these guys to have their own flavor to a business. Yes. So we're gonna definitely educate them. We've got to give them all the tools and resources they can. So we run a, a huge amount of education um, for everyone within our network. We do quite a significant amount for our uh, PTs, a huge amount for our club managers and specific stuff for our franchisees. Um, and that's both face-to-face -face and online. And so there's got to be that element of education within um, for us to ensure that we're winning and driving mm. forward. But it's important for these guys to get different thought process, different ideas that they can bring them into our network. Because, you know, if we keep things enclosed, we're not thinking outside the square or the circle, right? We're not thinking, okay, what are those guys doing? How are they doing? You know, listening to something from Com or from anyone else out there in the marketplace, well, what's working for them? How do we then bring that into our network and standardize it? So if these guys aren't attending external education, um, 
I mean, they're not getting that. We're not getting that as an organisation. So, you know, whether it be our club managers, our franchisees or our personal trainers, that's one element. But we even send our head office team to quite a lot of education yeah. out there from the industry as well. So Yeah, great. Great, great perspective and fresh perspective. Um, tell me about the, you know, let's look at about somebody's about to join, like they're, they're, they're ready to invest in something, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and they don't know where to put their money or what to do at this point. Mm-hmm. It's... And what, what sort of, I guess, roadmap would you give somebody in that situation? There might have been a PT and they want to get to a gym or they want to buy a studio. I mean, there's so many options out there. Mm. How, do, how, do you, how would you give advice to somebody that may be in your shoes and doesn't know which way to go, which way to turn? What should they be looking for if they're going down the franchise road? Or the bigger question, should they go independent? Like, who's, mm. is everybody suited for a franchise? And what, what kind of do you need to have as a checklist to go through that process? Yes and no. Um, I think, uh, so good question. From, from a perspective of independent versus franchise, yes, there's definitely differences and significant differences. If you're someone that's very entrepreneurial and you, you're really keen to give it a go and design your own thing, you've got a great idea, go independent. Do your thing, make it happen. I love, I love that you say that, very entrepreneurial, independent, do your own thing, that yep. creativeness. Yep, absolutely. And, and let that flow, right? Okay. Because that will flow into your clients and it'll work. We see it all the time, people with that yep. coming to a franchise because sometimes it's their first go, they don't back themselves, whatever it might be. And franchise can be a great place to start because entrepreneurial people don't necessarily, they've got great ideas mm. and they can see a vision, but they yep. don't necessarily have all the tools to bring it together. Yes. And so we still can work with someone that's in that entrepreneurial wow, okay. space. Yep. It's just sometimes that little bit more difficult, not always for us, but quite often for, for them, them, Yes. right? To settle into the franchising kind of yes i think i'd be one of those people you know what i mean i, I, I think <laughs> we, i'd be a, a bad franchise we, we, uh, it's i wouldn't call it a bad franchisee yeah it's just they're indifferent right and, oh, yeah. and we need to work with it look sure. for us we have every type of franchisee out there different ages different backgrounds mm-hmm. different um business experience um and and franchising can meet a lot of people's requirements i think the biggest piece for a lot of people is and the great thing about franchising which i love right is that when you're opening a store, especially your first store, when you're opening a store, you can get distracted by so many things. Sure. And if you're starting something completely fresh and new, yep. you're getting distracted by all those other things that a franchise just delivers. You right. know, even simple things like your membership forms or, you I know, mean, that, your when you say simple thing, that could take like a whole week to design if you don't have that. Yeah? I mean, if you, to, to meet legislative requirements Gosh. and everything you need to do yep. in that space with your lawyers and so on, yes, it, 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 it takes time. Probably more than that. Mm. And so what you want to be focused on is just building a club and selling memberships. Right. So that you open your store with a great number and that you're profitable as soon as possible. Right. So then if they go down that road, let's say, okay, I've decided on a franchise. How, how do you choose by the endless options out there in the marketplace today? Mm. Is it like something that you, you, you feel that that's the place to go? How, does, how do you make choices on this? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, you've got to resonate with a brand to start with, okay. right? So I think... When we look at it, one of the, the key things that we talk about is our flexibility in franchising. So when we talk to a franchisee or a potential franchisee, I should say, they're always looking at other options. You're not going to go and invest half a million dollars in something sure. without looking at who else is out there. And so majority of the guys that are, are buying into our franchise are in that space. that They've got the entrepreneurial spirit, but they know they don't want to waste all their time over here, but they want to bring some of their own flavor to it. So for us, 
you know, even down to the look and feel of a location, um, the layout of the floor plan, we don't say to you, okay, we're gonna design it for you and that's the way it's gonna be. Mm. That design majority of the time happens between you as a franchisee and our design team, which are an external party that, that you work with quite collaboratively. You build a club or you design a club and then, then it comes to us. We might tweak a couple of little things just because we know how it works better, but we like our franchisees to have that involvement and that ability to make some decisions around what's specific for not just their location, yep. um, the demographics in the area and the cultural diversity in the area, but for them as an individual. You know, we get a lot of franchisees that um, just want to run the play. They just want to run exactly what a, a Snap Fitness should look like and yep. how it's set up. Yep. But then there's others out there that come from significant PT background. And you know what? They want to build a, a bigger functional training space yep. and have more in that space to be able to deliver really strong in that. So it, we've got that flexibility. And that, that's a big piece to a lot of the guys coming on board. I like that a lot because it does take care of a few needs, especially when you're, you're putting a half a million dollars, whatever that figure is. Um, you do want that sense of ownership i create this and this is this is my flavor i'm mm. assuming that's very important for somebody doing 100 percent. for us things have changed a little bit in what we look for in our franchisees don't get me wrong certainly this is a space where investors is a really good opportunity but we want people to be we're looking for more franchisees not less mm. and what i mean by that i would rather have a franchisee or, or three franchisees across six clubs than one because I know that those franchisees are gonna have more connectivity to their businesses and spend more time with their club managers driving, growing and doing the things that need to happen. And so that's generally pretty important. I think when we give that ownership to people, they're the sort of people that are, that are coming in in that space. They wanna be more hands-on with their business, mm. which is, is super important for us at the moment. I love it. Um, I'll get you one more question, I know you gotta go. Uh, you're flying in and out everywhere, so I'll, I'll do one more question for you. Um, tell me about, you, you're, you're very big in, when I say communal industry, you know, you're always at industry events, mm -hmm. uh, you're supporting the industry. Is that important for, for you personally and mm -hmm. Lift Brands? What's your thoughts on that? Hugely important. Yeah, look, I think um, the fitness industry has exploded and it's exploded in all sorts of different directions. Yeah. And uh, the diversity of it is, is huge. Um, you know, for us, being involved, and not just myself, but our team members being involved in a range of different events and understanding what's going on in all of those different elements is really important for me personally and for Lyft Brands. To have involvement in where the industry is going, um, again, very important. Um, to be involved with industry bodies like Fitness Australia and um, sort of driving some of the decision-making that's coming out of those spaces is, yep. is a big part of where we're trying to move ourselves as well. Mm. Uh, for the betterment of, of, of the health of Australia in general more than anything else. You know, um, for us, one of the you know, huge pieces being mental health and, and mental awareness. And um, we're doing a lot in that space with our franchisees. You know, in a couple of weeks time, we're opening all of our stores up across Australia and New Zealand for the full week for anyone in the local community to come and use our facilities, no questions asked. Um, we're doing what we call Walk for Awareness, which is a, a walk that last year we raised about $140,000 for, yep. um, for, for mental health. and so. Um, industry events, yes, heavily involved in that, but also doing a lot just generally in the community as well to, to mm. be more involved in our local communities also. So. Love it. Very interesting, very important, interesting piece, especially that we know that, uh, you know, not everybody's in gyms, so we've got to get those people on, off the couches yeah. um, and people that aren't involved in that yeah. to a different place. Um, last question for you. If somebody is, was in your situation at 21 and they didn't know what to do with their career and they're in the fitness space, what advice would you give them? 
That's a good question. Ask, ask as many questions, before you even ask questions, attend as many events as you possibly okay. can afford to do, right? And there's a lot of stuff out there that doesn't cost you anything. Sure, there definitely is. Um, so get involved in as many things as you can, then speak to as many people as you can. The more connections you can make, um, the more opportunity you've got to get an opportunity. All right, and if you're front of mind for someone, you've shown the energy, the enthusiasm, and the ability. Yep. Um, opportunities come; they'll right. be presented, and you'll see them. You've just got to have the, we call it the balls to go and yep. have a go. Great, um, guys. For those who are interested in this kind of space, uh, say reach out to Ty. You're very uh, open. Where can they connect? Lift Brands. Yeah, probably the the best base is. Uh, I mean, um, through LinkedIn is probably LinkedIn's really good. A good spot, yeah. um, Lift Brands Asia Pacific is a really good one, um, or Snap Fitness Asia Pacific is is a good space to, to catch us, and um, that usually gets responded to really fast. Sounds good. Thanks for your insights today, Ty. Thanks, mate. And thanks for being part of the industry and pushing it forward. Yeah, no dramas at all. Pleasure. Guys, thanks so much for watching Industry Change. If you like this episode, you can see more um, or you can listen to this on a podcast channel. Just go check it out and make sure you subscribe. Bye for now.